1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Paul Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland, and Paul Wheelock. And yes, we will reflect on Sunday's 232nd Merseyside Derby, but hopefully. Rather than it being like a wake, it will be more like therapy as we try and <laughs> sift through the wreckage of another defeat, but extol the virtues of a very positive performance from Marco Silverside. And we will, of course, also look ahead to an opportunity to bounce back straight away when Newcastle are the visitors to Goodison on Wednesday evening. Um Preno, the dust has settled on Sunday's game. Um, are you any Happier? Is your mood improved? Are you coming to terms with it no. <laughs> a bit more, dealing with it better
2: than you were uh, on Sunday I, uh, afternoon? I, I don't think you know, so happier is ever the phrase you can use, but I could certainly take lots and lots of positives from that. I mean, I'm, a, as you all know, a veteran of Anfield derbies and I've seen many, many late defeats. Just before we came in, I mean, my first Anfield derby, David Fairclough did it so I was in the 88th minute. The Gary McAllister one, I know that wasn't at Anfield, that probably hurt the most. The Ronnie Rosenthal one, you know, I've seen plenty. Uh, And that, whilst it was undoubtedly the latest thing Derby defeat I've ever seen, it was probably one of the most positive Everton performances at Anfield I've seen for a long, long time. I'm trying to cast my mind back to when Everton had been quite so positive at Anfield. Possibly the mid-90s, Joe Royal, the the 1-2-1. You know, certainly none since then that I can think of. Uh, The 2-2 draw in the Dalglish era. Dalglish second time around, 2012, you know, was okay, but it certainly wasn't as dominant. I just thought Everton played Liverpool at their own game. Let's bear this in mind, this is a Liverpool team that's unbeaten this season in the Premier League, conceded five goals all season, see themselves as, you know, sort of championship challengers. You know, they're a very, very good side. And Everton matched them for 95 and a half minutes. And it was just a silly mistake that, you know, sort of cost them the game. They had opportunities to win it. Um, You know, dominated certain periods of possession during the game. Think back to last season. Would You have taken the 1 1 draw under Allardyce again, having given up 79% of possession and basically you know, stumped the gaff out, or being progressive, had what was it 58%, 30%, whatever my maths are, you know, 58%, or whatever the remainder is. Uh, <laughs> or was it better than that? Come on, anyway, it was a, a sizable p- uh, proportion of possession, created chances, uh, equal number of shots on target until that did look like a he had during header in the uh, time I did on. And lots and lots of positives to stand out performing in the game, Andre Gomez. There's an awful lot you can take from it. Um, given the fact that Marco Silva's only been in place five months, there's clearly a plan and a strategy in place that is already starting to bear fruit. So, yeah, all right, you know, so to conclude, you know, the actual denouement was absolutely crushing and horrible. Uh, but everything that went before it was tremendous and, you know, so really positive. Sorry, that was quite a long introduction, but, you know, (laughs) made me me feel a lot better. (laughs) I've got to be so boxing. I feel feel great
3: now. We might (laughs) as well just talk about the Newcastle game. Yeah, I can only uh, echo pardon the pun, Plano's thoughts there. Um, I thought it was easily one of the the most positive and progressive performances seen by an at Anfield. Uh, taking into account Liverpool's Liverpool side, which is probably their best side in a generation, uh, we said on Friday. I think the, the agreement from everybody that the the, the pre match podcast was actually the important thing about Sunday was the performance ahead of the result, and I, and I still feel that that's the case now. And, uh, and any sort of you know, shall we say, disappointment of getting beat is more than compensated by the fact that you you asked us last week. I think Phil. That, can Everton break into the top six? And I think if you were a, a neutral or an Everton or even a Liverpool fan on on Sunday and you looked at our performance, you'd say that is a team capable of challenging or perhaps even getting into the top six. And I think that's what that's what I take from the game. And there's n- there's no team,
1: as far as I'm concerned, or as far as sort of you know, uh, I, c- I can think of this season outside of the top six, who have gone to the teams that Everton have gone to and played as well. Because we've been consistently good. Arsenal, we played well. Okay, didn't get the result. Old Trafford played well, didn't get the result. Chelsea played well, got a draw. Liverpool played well, should have got a draw. Is there a team, you know, other teams who would consider themselves on a par with Everton? I'm thinking, you know, your Bournemouth, your Watford, your Leicesters, who you, you were challenging yeah. for that. Have they have they done as well consistently? No, no,
3: but you would expect that, given that we've got silver and brands at the helm and a bit of cash. Mm. So that's that's you would expect to see that uh, compared to to the club's and you know, planner made a good point there. Is we look like a a club and a team with a plan and a strategy. And I think you know, and my thoughts at the end of the game on on Saturday on sorry on Sunday, where um, don't know how i can about. and recollect past the uh, ignominies, but I think. Uh, We got beat at Man United 1-0 in the FA Cup quarter final in nineteen eighty-three. In the the ninety-third minute. Yeah. yeah, Frank Stapleton scored in a similar type of Evans performance in similar circumstances. Um and that was a crushing defeat. But there were seven or eight players in that team who then played for us in the FA Cup final with title winners two years later. And you could you could see then that they had the makings of a good team and they learned from that experience and hopefully the players that were on the pitch on Sunday will do do likewise. I'm not saying I'm going to win the title in two years, but you can you can always remember those bad defeats when you're playing you know in the future because that'll drive you on to improve your performances and, and that's what we can take from
0: uh, Sunday I think. Wheeler, what did you like most about about the performance? No fear. You know, uh and it's what you said again there, Phil. It's the fact that, you know, when we went to Arsenal earlier in the season, the caveat for me in my mind was Arsenal were a new team. They, they didn't look particularly... at the, the, the rhythm that they've got now, which obviously we've seen on Sunday against Tottenham. But then we followed up at United, and followed up at Chelsea, and then followed up at Liverpool. This is, this is the way Everton are going to play away in the big teams now. And I just thought, I think it is a cliche, I know you guys said it on Friday's show, about this mentality thing about going to Anfield... It was there to a certain extent. Sometimes cliches are true. And I've not seen an Everton team play like that, as, as Perno said earlier, in probably a generation even. I'm trying to think back to the last win there, 1999. I don't think it was as assured as it was at the times on Sunday. Uh, at the end of the game, my initial thoughts were, you know what, in a weird way, I, I wouldn't have minded playing like that last season with Allardyce and getting the points. Because at the end of the day, Derby's not about... Actually, results because and that sickening feeling that Everton have had so many times, particularly the late ones. But you know, reading your guys' reports, taking time to reflect, you've got to look at the bigger picture, haven't you? And I think what we've seen yesterday is it might be, as Gav was saying, then that kind of short term pain, there's going to be longer term gain there. You know, Everton have gone to Anfield and played like that, Mm. you know, and then any other day we would have got something but it wasn't to me but you know I'm beginning to see a lot more positives than I did at probably you know six o'clock last night
1: and as mad as it might sound there's already a degree of excitement for the Goodison game
0: yeah why not why not you know it's it, it just felt for the first time that we're going to take Liverpool on toe to toe you know there was always that they are because As you said on Friday, you know, when you talk about that mentality issue, a lot of the times it's just because they're a better football team than Everton have been. And and they are still now. I always thought going into that game that if Liverpool played at their maximum and Everton played at their maximum, Liverpool would probably win because they've got the better team. It's a team that's been building for a few more years compared Mm -hmm. to a few months like Marco Silva. But yesterday showed how close that... if, If both teams do that, and I don't think Liverpool are at their very best... But it shows how close that Everton have done, and when you're talking six months, it's like remarkable, isn't it? Really, you know, because they, Liverpool, the you've got to say they are a good football team, and then the, the, it's no surprise, you know, the two points behind Manchester City, they're unbeaten, but you know, give a bit of luck, better goalkeeping, it's a, it's a different story, isn't it?
1: Prano, uh, Wheelo mentioned mentality and, and 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 mental sort of issues, if you like. How well do you think John Pickford will cope? With what happens on Sunday,
2: I'm convinced he'll cope very, very well indeed, and th- that's that's based on a conversation I had with him uh, two or three months ago. Uh, he was wheeled out uh, for the Sunday papers for I forget which game it was, and um, he was asked about his World Cup experiences and the flack he got uh, for the Janusai goal mm. against Belgium, where you know allegedly mm. he went for it with the wrong hand. And uh, and bounced back immediately and had that great performance against Colombia and, you know, was even better against Sweden, you know, and had a great World Cup all around. And um, he genuinely came across as a man that does have a very, very strong mental outlook. And he said, you know, he knows he makes mistakes. He knows he, 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 not that he conceded he made a mistake in that instance, you know, said Mm. he'd do the same thing again. He says, but you know, he has made mistakes in his career and he always thinks, OK, you know, I've got to put that right next time. I've got to do something really good next time to make up for that. And whenever he has dropped the occasional error in his career, and you know, you can count them on the fingers of one hand in you know, his Emerson career so far, he has responded with a very, very good performance. So I think you'll probably see a goalkeeper rather than... One who's riven by self-doubt and, you know, and concerns on Wednesday night against Newcastle. Somebody who's desperate to make an impression and to show Rod that was a one-off. Because uh, I think he's done it before. He's done it playing international football, which is the most pressurised environment imaginable. Uh, so, yeah, it will hurt him. You know, so he'll be you know, sort of cut to the very quick about it. But equally, I think he will, he will bounce back very, very quickly.
1: What well, well, could be interesting, Gavin, and, and I've got a feeling about how I think this will go, but I'm interested to know what, what you think. Wednesday evening, the players are out on the pitch. They're in their loosely in their formation before kickoff, and the names get read out. I think. What do you think the reaction will be? Do you think ev- when Jordan's names get read. Out, do you think Guderson will, will will
3: give him a verbal cuddle if you like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's helpful that the next two games are both at home, are they? Yes. So it's not as if you've got to go mm. to Manchester City on, on Saturday or something. That's the following week, so that will help. Uh, and I think if you reach, reach if, I think if you reach international standard and clearly Jordan is being a strong character is part of your make isn't it you know you, 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 you reach that standard because you've got over your mistakes that you've made in the past and, and quickly pushed on that's why you're an international footballer so I think it's a given that you'll get over it and I think it's in the goalie goalkeeper psyche isn't it that they're always going to drop something at some point Neville Southall did yeah, on yeah. many occasions but you just accept it for what it is uh, so I think I, I don't see any problems and I think it's helpful that the next two home games are home against teams where
2: hopefully he won't be <laughs>
3: as, as busy or under as much pressure. Famous last words. Famous <laughs>
2: last words, yeah. yeah. It's also worth pointing out that he came straight out after the game oh, also, yeah. in the yeah. mix zone and faced the media. Well, and and so, went
1: straight over to the fans in the yeah. way end, didn't he? And then, as you say, Preno yeah. did, did, um, did stuff in the mix zone Anfield, didn't he? Which, which says a lot about about him as a lad. And, um, and I think, you know, is, are these situations as well, Gav, to stay with you on, on, on Jordan... I think his upbringing, which has included playing non-league football, where you can hear every single <laughs> yeah. comment crystal clear at these grounds. You know, he's played at Darlington, Alfreton, etc.
3: I think that's part of what's, what's probably yeah. given him a, a stern kind yeah, of Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think that, that you've got to be self-confident, haven't you? To get over this, you've got to be self-confidence. But that self-confidence actually probably contributed to that mistake on, on Sunday, didn't it? Rather than tip the ball over the bar, which most keepers would have done that circumstance he tried to sort of catch it as a way of like not giving away a corner and that, that's, that shows a high degree of self-confidence but that can work against you in terms of making that mistake but work for you in terms of your you know mental you know sort of comeback from, from that I don't, I don't anticipate any problems I think there'll be plenty of hugs and cuddles for him from the and good- <laughs> crowd there uh, you know, so I I think that's okay. You've got we've got they've got other things to on the pitch to to concern us at the moment. You know.
2: You can see Marco Sovic is preaching positivity amongst his players. He wants them to take responsibility in situations.
3: It's interesting,
2: it? But it's not a positivity,
1: it's a different positivity in the way that Roberto would extol it, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting in that respect.
2: Well, there's positivity and there's recklessness. Um, <laughs> I, I think this is more like you know taking responsibility. Right. Uh, you could see, I mean, I've, I've never seen him you know, two centre-halves pulled back onto the touchline at goal kicks all the time, you know, so to try and encourage him to take possession from the goalkeeper mm. and play through Liverpool's notorious you know so difficult high press he's like no take them on you know so I'll try and pass the ball through them and uh, Mina and Michael Keane did that very very well likewise in midfield I mean Gomez naturally plays the ball mm-hmm. forwards but you know equally he's encouraging gay to do that whenever possible and um, you know Skillful Sigurdsson, who does that naturally anyway, uh, when players are you know playing in the final third, he wants them to you know be positive, take players on you know so sort of take the difficult option because that will create openings that will you know double get, create goals for you, and likewise with Jordan Pickford you know don't I suppose, I suppose you want the goalkeeper to be you know sort of taking too much responsibility on board you know he's more than happy to do that you know with with his kicking, which was mixed let's say you know so mm. on, on Sunday. Uh, started off with 135 seconds, which he put straight into touch, but didn't let him bother him. He carried on, you know, spreading the ball around, you know, reasonably well after that. But equally, you know, with his goalkeeper, he will rather than encourage him to tip the ball over and concede a corner in the last minute he probably say to him no you carry on doing what you're doing try and catch the balls because we'll keep possession and that can create something for us further forward and in that way lies you know a successful football team I think you know the Martinez analogy was probably taking it a step too far you know it was unrealistic uh, positivity mm-hmm. you know he used to you know, Ross Barkley missing a penalty was a positive. Mm. You know, you've know, you got to be realistic in there as well. Do you think, do
1: you think what Silver does and the way he acts and what he says and the way the team plays is actually just instilling um, a belief rather than sort of blind optimism, perhaps, that, that yeah. Roberto at times was kind of... Yeah, I think so.
2: It, it's funny because I, I think Marco is a, a slow burner uh, as a manager in terms of affection amongst Evertonians. They've had their fingers burned before with uh, Roberto Martinez, and so they're, they're just sitting back and just say, "Well, okay, impress us, and you know, and then we'll make our minds up." And he is starting to impress them. I mean, his demeanor at a press conference is, is very different to other Premier League managers. He's always very intense. He's always very focused. Um, you know, he came out yesterday, and again, you could see he was really, really hurting. He wasn't happy at all. Yeah, furious. And, uh, you, know, what, you know, lucky, lucky, lucky Liverpool was, was the phrase he used, which was the, the you know, the... the... I, I have to
1: say, when he said it, I was just thinking, this is brilliant. Because yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he, for me, he struck the balance, Preno, um, in terms of yeah. he had the right degree of, I'm hugely proud of my players, did everything right, then at the right annoyance level, and then just just a little bit of the icing on the cake, just yeah. did a little bit of a dig in the ribs to the Reds, and I thought, you know, that he, he struck that perfectly. Even if he didn't mean to, sort of, it wasn't manufactured so to speak; it was just natural. But I thought he, he struck it really well.
2: That's me. what he does everything he says does come naturally. And I think Evertonians are now starting to see what he's trying to, you know, put in place. And he's been here five minutes. Let's get this, you know, rise, right. um, and he's already, you know, transformed, you know, the, the squad and the the approach to football matches. I mean, Jurgen Klopp, you could say he was being disingenuous afterwards because maybe he was trying to deflect attention away from his post-match antics, but he was genuinely raving about Everson and uh, he described an incredible job that uh, Silva's done in just five months, uh, described Everson as outstanding. And yeah, okay, it's easy to say these things and just want to match one yeah. nil, but you get the impression there's a degree of sincerity there. I think he was genuinely quite impressed by you know what Marco Silva has turned around very, very quickly.
1: Do you think, we know that... the, the top four, five, six, Of after last season, seeing Everton spend a load of money and, and, and fall by the wayside quite spectacularly. Do you think they're concerned by Everton now?
0: I would be, given the performance that we've talked about uh, so far, the Emirates, Old Trafford, Stamford Bridge and now Anfield personally we're talking about Silver and the progress he's made the, the kind of doubts I had earlier in the season or certainly in the summer was how he would set us up defensively and there was the West Ham game at home mm. where we were very very open and even the Wolves game at times and yeah. obviously they're going down to 10 men and and that was a concern these four away games have proven to me that not only has you got Everton playing a much more attractive brand of football he's actually a really good organiser as well isn't he and you know, at times with Coombe and, and certainly Allardyce, we could never get that balance right mm. at all. It was either... And under the Martinez, obviously, he went the other way. <laughs> but it looks like with Silva, it's, again, it's still early days, but you can, you can only you know, speak upon what you've seen. He seems to be able to get that balance right between attack and defence. We've not gone to Anfield and ho and been done 4-0. It's been very... it's It's been coordinated, and I... I think with some of those games, the, the, the downside is we only scored one goal, haven't we? Uh, the penalty at Old Trafford, Sigerson's penalty. I think we would have had a striker, you know, main number nine up there at times. I think it might have been a little bit different. But Silver, is, it, as the weeks go by, I'm completely with you, Dave, the more and more he impresses me. The
1: Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
2: You'll make mistakes. I mean, you know, he is still a very, very young coach. Uh, I mean, it really stuck out for me on, uh, on Sunday when um, Alisson was, like, charging forward uh, to play that pass to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Richarlison was coming out of the middle to close him down. And, you know, looked at his coach and Silva pushed him back. No, 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 stay back in the middle. And you just wonder what would have happened if Richarlison, who was like a man possessed in the last 10 or 15 minutes, had have come across and closed him down. Maybe the cross wouldn't have come in. Maybe Silva looked back on that and think he could have done things differently. But already this season, he's made changes in matches that have raised eyebrows, but being, you know, so positive and being successful. Thinking at Leicester, when he had the man sent off and he made switches, which, you know, we weren't immediately sure about, but definitely, you know, so proved, you know, so positive and ended up having him winning the game. So, now, I, I like what I'm seeing from him. It's still very, very early days, but, you know, he's, he's a coach that we can, you know, so certainly be very, very hopeful for.
1: Gav, right then, let's talk about the opposition manager and, and his reaction, his staff's reaction, the substitute's reaction to uh, Rigi's goal on Sunday. What's your take on it? Um, was it over the top? Was it acceptable in the, in the moment? Um, does he deserve to have punishment from the FA what's
3: first of all I'd say he's got a bit of previous for this hasn't he Klopp I think uh, a little bit but I mean have got bigger things to worry about than yeah. Sunday than that to be honest with you um, so it doesn't really bother me as such there may be something from, from the FA in time but you know if you scored a 96, winner, 96 minute winner in the derby mm. You know, would I would have been we'd... jumping off, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's just... Yeah, I, I think if you were Marco, you'd probably say, maybe deep down, because I didn't like that. But, if, you know... Um, for the record,
1: at, at the time on Sunday, he, he said he didn't see it. Yeah, I, sus- I suspect he'd turned round and was just trying to work out what they were going to do. Yeah, the, yeah time for the last left,
3: minute left. left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I think he's probably... That was a very diplomatic answer. Oh, it's it's yeah, part of this know, modern, of modern politically
2: correct thinking. Yeah. I mean he's run onto the pitch to celebrate a last minute win in yeah. a derby match. So what? It underlines yeah. how much it means to him. Absolutely. And you know, I would hope that Everson would react exactly the same way. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, because we're much older than the other guys in this room. How many iconic managerial celebrations can you think of running onto the pitch? David Pleat went down in mm. history <laughs> yeah. on Stoke. in was seventy-three. Yeah. Guardiola did it quite recently. Mourinho's you know, Mourinho, done it. Mourinho. Mourinho. Yeah. I've so yeah. got. I haven't
3: got a problem. But they, in the opposition dugouts, there at the time, mm. you, you have a different view. But overall, you know, if will put it this way: if we score a ninety-six minute winner. I caught the son of Marco and runs on the pitch. You know, yeah. It won't be Marco, about, yeah. it'll be Duncan. Duncan yeah, or <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Or maybe they'll hug each other. You <laughs> know. But, yeah, it's all a bit... I'm with Prano on this. It's all a bit, you know... Storbing Yeah. people. Sens- sens- sensitivity is where there doesn't need to be. Mm. But, you know, you have to be careful. Occasionally, you can cross the line with these uh, these incidents. But, I've but got you look at the look at the up.
2: Arsenal-Spurs game. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, Aubameyang yeah. running towards the Spurs fans and, you know, basically, you know, so, come on, come on. Yeah. You know, that That was... Beyond the pale, you yeah, didn't do that.
3: That, that's that's that yeah, exactly. That's yeah.
2: that's the thing you should be more concerned
3: with. I haven't really got a problem, um, but I thought so the other thing I'd say about, yeah, you spoke there about the last four away games, you know, at the big clubs is, is, um, I would think we probably had generated what 10 good chances in those matches and not, 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 you know, um, converted any. And and I know you said there's a sense forward issue, which there is obviously that's why we're playing with Charleston there. What what can say one of the things that concerns me about us, and there's four or things four or five things at the moment, is is our lack of goals if it's not Richarlison or Sigurdsson. I mean, but we're, we're over a third of the way of the way into the Premier League season at the moment. And our third highest scorer's got two goals. So you're in there, like, you know, I think we've got twenty Premier League goals, I think twelve or thirteen of them mm. have come from the and Six. That means like seven seven or eight goals in fourteen, fifteen Premier League games from the rest of the team, which is not 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 good enough mm. for me. And that's you know, and a lot of those chances we're talking about they have not fallen to the and the Six mm. and they have fallen to other players. And that's something we need to address, is to is to spread our goal scoring throughout the team. So is the because, is the answer yeah.
1: sorry to interject Gav, is, is the answer as as um Simple as it, as it might seem and might be dumbing it down too much, but is is the answer in January if possible, sign a center forward
3: <sighs> that's an incces mob. it depends if one's available mm. It's just you know we've got it, it's a may you know it's maybe a tactical thing probably is i mean I don't think our center arts have scored this Michael Keane's got one wocos hasn't scored in the Premier League since what August yeah. You know, and he was, you know, I don't think he was any great shakes yesterday. Our central midfielders don't score. I mean, Gomez had the chance yesterday. Our four backs I think James has got one all season. Mm. You've got to start mm. spreading the goals out within the team because it's when you go to these big places, you only get two or three chances. They may not fall to your main players. And you've got to, you've got to show that you can convert them and that, that's one of the things that needs addressing not just and I don't think buying a center forward's going to address that I think doing something tactically on the pitch
2: for the start
3: and we had the chance to me from the set-piece yesterday Mina me you know, yeah, I'm not sure think,
2: tactically things will you know, change I but, mean better quality players I mean Mina will, will address that he will score goals yeah. he's only played three games and he's had chances at Chelsea yeah. alright so it was ruled offside eventually and early on on, the, on Sunday but Walcott is, yeah. is the I know we Bring him up on this, you know, I'll so show a few times, but he's had a lot of opportunities in games recently, goal scoring opportunities that he hasn't taken. Yeah, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Luckman has been a goal scorer when he's played in the Bundesliga, and I thought he made an impact when he came on again. Possibly the time is edging, you know, now to start him in a match and see if he can yeah. add extra goals from the flanks. Yeah,
3: what I said, when I said tactically, what I'm saying here is is and it was apparent again yesterday. You know, one of my biggest thing is is that we need a good quality, quality holding midfielder that can get goal. Gomez further up the pitch and into positions more like he did yesterday, yeah, I think, rather than sitting a bit more deeper. And I think that's really what I'm talking about. Because um, yeah, because yesterday was
1: an example, Gav, of of of, of, of guy who was, I think, producing his, his best performances in Everton in recent weeks. Yesterday was a, sorry, Sunday was another example of where if he was as good at winning the ball at, at playing with the ball as he is at winning it back. He'd be one of the best midfielders in the world, wouldn't he? Well, absolutely. But his, his distribution on Sunday was, was, was actually pretty important. Which is
3: it? pretty much, with all due respect to him, is pretty much par for the course. You know, that's been a criticism I've had of him for a couple of years. It was, it was interesting the Chelsea manager last week talking about Kante. Mm. Wasn't he about like the role he should play in the team and that he wants something a bit more than just tackling? And I think if you're playing a two or three man midfielder, I think having one of them who's just basically a ball winner is a bit of a luxury. And it stymies you because it means like you, one of the other players got to play a little bit deeper. And I think uh, I've said before is we need a good quality holder midfielder, I and mean, that's what Chelsea have tried to do, haven't they? Because and I think that's what we should be trying to do as well. And um, it's just a garner guy, his tackling stats you can quote them all day long is one of the reasons he's so far ahead of other players. Is there's not many players who perform that role in the Premier League, so it's bound to be higher. And I think we need to get that. Balance right in the middle three. and I think also the right hand side is a concern for me, and mm. include Coleman and uh, Coleman and Walcott. Mm. Um,
1: What's I bring it on to you, Wheeler? What's going on with Coleman in terms of an attacking force? He seems to have lost a little bit of his mojo going forward. You know, we had that little dip in form early in the season, and people stupidly questioned him, and, and he and he's come back. I think defensively, I think he's
0: back to where where he was. Going forward doesn't quite seem to have the same level of confidence, does he? No, he's not as quite as dynamic. He probably set himself ridiculously high standards with his performance in his comeback game against Leicester, Did he, well, uh, yeah, know, he, game. and he, you know, and, and thought, wow, he's back and, yeah. and he's better than ever. It's difficult, isn't it? Because it's very hard to criticise Coleman, particularly given the injuries had and given the standard he's got at the club, and, and he deserves that standing completely. But yeah, I, I think I, I'm, I'm with Gav. Down that right-hand side, that's probably one earlier concern at the moment. Do I think that Kenny should come in? No, but maybe long, long-term, long the way that Silver acted with Dean, I'm not saying that Coleman needs to be replaced now, but maybe, you know, he is 30 now, isn't he? In the next few years, that may be something, a longer-term thing that they're going to have to start looking at. But to me, he still plays. Walcott's more of the issue. I've been... Loathe to drop Walcott, or in my opinion, to mm. drop Walcott in re- recent weeks because what he does have is that ability to get in behind players. Which and, and, and the, the chances he's had in recent weeks are a testament to that. The goal against Cardiff was as well. But if he's not doing that or not taking those chances, I don't know what he's actually bringing to the side at the moment. So, do, do
1: you think that um, Brands, Silver, etc., need to be looking at finding somebody to upgrade because Walcott and, and Lookman are actually different players, different profiles, as Silver would call it? You know, Lookman is in between the lines. As you say, Walcott is pace, running through the middle, and etc. So, do you think that the club need to be looking for somebody who has a bit of everything, or is is a bit more of a Richarlison mould wide man who can actually be more of a forward? What what, what do you think they need to look at?
0: It's, it's it's I don't know whether that'd be a luxury at the moment bringing another wide player in, particularly when I think that. I still think Richarlison's long-term future may be wide. I agree with you. Do I think that there could be an improvement on Walcott? Yeah, but that's maybe we're setting ourselves too high standards for now. I don't know. I still think the priority—it's becoming each passing week—is Gomez. You know, the the more and more he keeps on playing like he is against these the bigger six clubs away from home, the more and more other clubs are going to start looking at him because he's—he's not going to be a hidden secret for much longer. But it's the centre-forward issue for me. I totally agree with you, Gav. It's uh, it's not just falling to a centre-forward who's missing these chances as a team thing. But I I watch Everton countless times this season. We've put good balls into the box. Even that one that Gomez had the chance yesterday, you know, with his header. So many times I see balls flashed across the box and it's not a centre-forward on the end of them. Mm. I think actually our delivery's been pretty good at times and our creativity's Mm. been good. And as you say, if we're going away to these big teams and creating two or three chances, it's not always to the centre-forward. But I just think yesterday that Gomez won, centre forward's there heading it in the box you know he's, he's heading it in the net I should say I still think that's the priority
1: So Preda, just just on, on Wheelough's point there what's jenk not doing do you suspect in training or what's he got to do because as Wilo says, there's opportunities being created, yet Marco clearly doesn't have enough faith or trust in him to be giving him anything other than a bit part, and yeah. he's not even getting
2: that at the minute. I, I, don't, I don't think he fits, you know, to use your word, yeah, the, the profile of the, the system that, uh, that Marco is using. I mean, he holds the ball up okay, uh, Cenk, and he's, uh, he's a tidy finisher, but he wants mobility and he wants pace. He wants, uh, you know, forwards that can get beyond uh, defenders and, you know, interchange, you know, in positions like, like Richarlison does so well, which is why he's playing down the middle. And Cenk Tosin doesn't do that. He's a, if, if Verticam is an old-fashioned centre forward, um, he might get on the end of a few crosses, you know, so every now and then. But, you know, the way that Marco plays football, he wants something an awful lot more. Um, you know, that is, you know, a glaring, you know, deficiency in the squad at the moment. Whether that'll be addressed in January, I'm not so sure because that market is notoriously difficult to buy in and you want somebody that's going to be there for four or five years, you know, someone that's going to do a good job, you know, reasonably long term, rather than someone who's there for six months as a short term fix. Uh, but you know, Towson, I don't think he's going to get many you know opportunities I mean, Marcus seems to have made his mind up about a number of players in that squad. We haven't seen Umar Nias sight the sound of for a long time. Morgan Schneidlin hasn't been seen. Okay, Decembers going to be tough you know because there's so many fixtures coming up so thick and fast. uh Tom Davis, another one who's been you know on the bench, but we haven't really seen you know him introduced in games. We may see a little bit more of those characters uh, going forward, but certainly not in your first choice starting eleven going forward. OK, before we finish today's uh,
1: podcast, we will look ahead to Wednesday night's game with Newcastle United at Goodison.
3: Gav, the ideal opportunity to bounce back? Well, both home games are. You've got to get six points, haven't you, from these two? Um, so, yeah, you can, <laughs> we'll just play and play. Yeah. But has in the opposition <laughs> <and Doug laughs> <else> as well. <laughs> you know, well you know, the gift that keeps on giving, yeah, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah. It, it, it is. It is Newcastle were poor, weren't on, on Saturday by all accounts they might have a little bit of a bounce back. We've got a really good record, I think it's nine wins in the eleven games against them.
2: We had a good record against West Ham earlier this yeah. season, so there we <laughs> yeah, we it's true, yeah. That's true.
3: Um but yeah, yeah, ideal. Um and I'd be are we going to have to? Shall Luckman come into the, the start eleven conversation? Sounds but, like you want to have the conversation. I think. I think. I think you've seen enough over the last few weeks to say that Luckman has to come in, doesn't you, he? You said e-
1: that two weeks ago. You would expect that a Benitez team away from home are just going to come and sit in. They're going to park the black and white bus. Probably you would expect. Yeah. So, does that not make more of a case for Luckman to play rather than up?
3: Yeah, because Luckman's better than. In, in closed spaces, isn't he? Where th- there's less, less space, and you've got more pressure on you. Where cuts more in attacking space, isn't he? And, and where it's a bit more open. So, yeah. But Marco, is that opportunity is not taken up. namely against Cardiff, you may have seen enough on Sunday to say that ne- ne- needs to be a change.
1: Willow, thoughts on 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 Wednesday as a, as, a, as an opportunity and, and secondary, uh, an opportunity maybe for Luckman.
0: Yeah, I, I think. Uh, Newcastle certainly won't be as open as they were against West Ham. You know, probably the worst thing that <clears throat> could happen to them was going a goal down, so they had to push out. Maybe it'd be the same, you know, on Wednesday night. I think that could be crucial if we can get an early goal, get them out playing, because I don't think they the, the much cop Newcastle, particularly going forward. You know, Benitez is obviously a very good manager. Taxley is very organised. He'll, he'll make it difficult to beat. But if I, I think what you were talking about before with Pickford having that kind of you know, warmness towards him. I think it'll be, it'll be extended to all the players. Mm, because it's, it's going to be good yeah, atmosphere I, I, Wednesday, yeah. I, I think so because you know, social media, I'm not saying it's the barometer of all Evertonians feelings now, but like most people probably did. So have a look at Twitter at times last night and mm. you know what? It was pretty good. It was pretty good considering it happened yeah, con- again. Considering, yeah, considering yeah, it happened yeah. again. And as we touched on throughout this podcast, I think now this is an Everton team with a plan, you know, Everton will go away. They're not going to change. You know, it doesn't matter who they're playing. This is the way they're going to play. And I think they'll be, they'll be proud. The, the fans will be proud of the performance on Sunday. And I just think the, the atmosphere will be good. An early goal, maybe I'm just being too positive, but I could see a, <laughs> I, I could see a 3 or 4-0 win on Wednesday. I really could. But if we get, if they get the early goal, because remember last season, Newcastle, Benitez came, didn't they? Stuck in and Walcott got the winner and it was just one. Yeah, Yeah, it was a terrible game. It was a terrible game, but it's a different team. I Mm. I genuinely believe an early goal could
2: could be a comfortable victory. I don't know. I mean, the the teams that have come to Goodison in a similar position in recent weeks, Marco's done a great job at breaking down, but it's taken some time. Thinking of Crystal Palace, thinking of Cardiff. Mm. Um, Fulham was a new uh, one. Fulham, exactly. Yeah, we're a bit fortunate in the end. Fulham could have been a couple of goals up by half-time. Newcastle won't offer that much going forward I'm choosing my words carefully I don't want to tempt fate uh, but I think we may have to be patient uh, it just depends on you know the reaction to Sunday you know how much is being taken out of the squad uh, we're quite helped by the fact that Watford's five days later so that gives us a bit of time to recover from that one so it's a very important game this on Wednesday and I think there should be a bit of freshening up of the starting line-up not too significantly just you know, so two or three positions maybe uh, and I would certainly include Adam Lockman luckman in that Um, but yeah I think it's we might need to be patient I think you know and just you know 2 0, we're not be delighted with now. If you're right, Paul, absolutely buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, then
1: predictions then before we wrap up, Preno Is that your prediction? 2 0,
2: Blues, Willows and Dale. There's colours to the mascot. Yeah, five know, said, yeah. yeah. 6 6, six yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Happy days. Forget the derby. <laughs> any uh,
1: Any takers on the uh, 6 star,
3: gap a, No, star.
0: <laughs> start. I'm not to really serious.
3: So I'll take Flea, by <laughs> the way. I'll take this. I'll take Flea. I the pod by agreeing with Prenno and lend the pod by agreeing with Prenno and say that. I think 2-0 seems to be about the, the right scoreline, but it'll be tough, be tough.
1: Excellent. Well, I think we will all take and that. Phil, don't be here.
2: swear your responsibility. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah I, I would have been in agreement. Actually, I'm going to go more towards Wheeler. I, I think it might be a bit of a, a statement victory in terms of <sighs> scoreline. Happy 3 days. Yeah, days. Positive yeah, way yeah, to yeah. finish. Yeah, Indeed, and that's what we're there for. We said it'd be therapy rather than <laughs> awake. so hopefully you've uh, <laughs> felt that today. Thank you very much for uh, joining us and listening to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. You can uh, rate, subscribe and, and comment through iTunes and, and the Acast app, so please do that. That'll be most welcome. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.